We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We are the Men from Moto, and you are listening to episode 36 of Asti Scallywags. That is pirate talk for pay attention, Scallywags. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me today again. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic, David. How are you? I'm great. Uh, how's your uh, how's your treasure hunting going early in the format here? So far, so good. I'm kind of digging the format. I've played four sealed events and one draft. I think I have gotten my butt kicked more in sealed in this format early than I'm used to in the past. And I have some thoughts about that, which we'll share. And I three out my draft, uh, so that 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 felt good. The the cards seem fun. It reminds me a little bit of a core set, but I, I imagine we'll be talking about a lot of this. Suffice to say, I like the format. How have mm. you been doing? Uh, me too. I've uh, went to the pre-release, did a draft online on stream last night. Things are great in my world when it comes to magic. So uh, I'm excited to talk about Ixlan and the and all the exciting cards that uh, that we were right and wrong about. And I have a few that I was wrong about, plus a few that I was right about. And I'm sure you have the same, so I can't wait to get in it here. Um, this week's episode, uh, we're going to be basically just talking about our experiences in the first couple of days of the format um, and first impressions. And Travis has some kind of key concepts that he's noticed in his 20 some matches that he's done already. So and uh, he's going to run those past me and I'm going to try to vet them here. But, um, uh, you know, we'll probably be on the same page. I think I think we're. Uh, both in line on this format so far, even though I only have a few few matches under my belt so far. So um, first things first, though, um, we've been talking about the homework at the end of the episode. And uh, I wanted to point it out here that uh, that we're going to have homework for people at the end of the episode here. So not to like, you know, get you hooked and try to get to the end to the end of the episode. You can just skip right to the end if you want your homework here. But um, we're going to we're going to give everybody all the listeners another homework assignment here today. And uh, so pay attention to the end of the end of the podcast so you can catch us on that one but um why don't we just dive right in so i went to, to an event on on saturday um you didn't play till monday so let's just kind of go in chronological order here so i went to the pre-release and i'm sure many of our listeners also went to the pre-release um pre-release is fun for me for uh, first-time listeners of the podcast uh, my daughter and i go and she's been playing for about a year now and we play two at a giant pretty much exclusively um, she doesn't quite build her own decks and, and she hasn't done a draft or anything like that. So it's fun for us to, to look over the cards together and she likes to crack the packs and, and I usually build the decks. But, um, this time we took a bit of a different approach is I went through the 12 packs. She helped me sort, but I went through the 12 packs and I just peeled out basically the bottom, I want to say like 20% of the cards. And I'm like, here's the pile of cards that we, we might want to play. And I gave her the black and the white. And I said, you build a black white vampire deck because it kind of looked really good. And I'm like, I'm going to build a, a green red dinosaur deck because our blue looked really bad. And so I gave her a stack of cards and she went there and she curved them out and she put this deck together and she's like, I think I have something here that looks good. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just play it. So I let her build her deck um, and we ended up with a, a nice little tag team of uh, green red dinos and black white vampires. We ended up switching decks, though, because um, we played a couple of test games and she didn't really understand how the deck was supposed to work. And she's like, I just want to beat people with dinosaurs. 
so she played that deck and she got to you know play fire blasts on things and and uh and lightning bolts or lightning strikes on things and just swing people you know run people over with the six six trample guy and uh, and i played a much more kind of nuanced game with the um with with the black white vampire with with tokens and things like that and it turned out to be a lot of fun highlight of our of our day was um well we we three owed which i know it's not a big deal in a pre-release but for us we're like we're, we're kind of like the the local like champs if you want to call us that like we keep going to these things and we keep going undefeated so she's she's getting a little higher on herself there i gotta bring her down a notch i think but um <laughs> but uh so we we beat our rivals in uh our rivals quote unquote in round one who um who had two Vraskas on their side of the table one of which ultimated so i think we were at like something like 40 life because i just we opened a dumb amount of like the three two guys that gained four life and a bunch of life linking two twos and stuff like that so we had a stupid amount of life and and uh and we couldn't beat a Vraska. they had like giant things on their side of the table we just couldn't get through and uh they put us to one and swung at us with like 12 pirate tokens or something stupid like that and a bunch of tramplers and like we put a bunch of blockers in play and then i settled the wreckage on my one opponent and wiped their entire board of everything stabilized at five life and uh ended up coming back and winning that game so it was uh it was really cool and uh, felt really good to win that but um it was really good like the format intuitive giant was kind of grindy and slow but that's usually what it is and i didn't really learn a ton about a lot of cards except uh which ones i was wrong about which ones sucked even intuitive giant so i look forward to talking about that but overall positive experience won a bunch of prizes and then uh and then i came online and drafted yesterday so but you did a bunch before me so how was your first foray into sealed yesterday? So yesterday I played um, two sealed decks and then started a third and played one round of it and ended with a record of six and five. Which so is not not as good as you normally do, I would say. <laughs> not particularly good. When I sat down with the first pool, I thought I had a pretty decent um, black, blue, light splash of red pirate deck. And what I discovered after playing two rounds with that deck is that that's not really a deck that I had a much better black and white cards that I opened plus decent removal spells deck. And once I switched over from that, I went from zero two to, I think two one with it. Um, and then in this, the second time I kind of found the same thing. There's these big stompy dinosaurs that are just dominating sealed. And I think this is one of those formats Again, this is very early, but that's why we do an early impression show, right? Where the delta between sealed and draft is just absolutely colossal, especially after doing a draft today. I was able to play with cards that kind of seem unplayable to me because of the, the sealed background, and I had to be careful not to overvalue dinosaurs in draft because they're so good in sealed. They're just absurd. And I... I'm going to launch into a little tirade that I had saved here, but I think this is worth kind of thinking about in a good way to sort of start to break open the format. Uh, and then we can get to your draft experience and my draft experience. But I wanted to talk for a second about the, the tribes, specifically the dinosaurs and why I think they're so good in sealed. Aside from the obvious, they seem to be costed about what you would expect modern magic cards to cost. And while there there are some synergies within dinosaurs, they're mostly just big creatures for efficient mana costs. And then as I looked at the other tribes, like predominantly pirates, but also to an extent vampires and merfolk, they sort of seem to be costed about what you'd expect creatures to cost five years ago in magic, and then have some really cool synergy payoffs. 
And in draft, you can get the payoff, then wheel the scathe zombie with whatever relevant text type and build towards that. Whereas in draft, you either open it or you don't. So the dinosaurs just synergize with having the mana to cast them, whereas the other cards, I have to have the payoffs. So it kind of feels like Sealed is all about, did you get a good dinosaur deck? If you didn't, you're just going to have to try to win on raw power level. And that, that makes it, the Sealed feel like very much like a core set. Whereas in draft, once I got into draft today, and you can tell me if your experience was the same, I drafted a really cool red-black pirate deck, and it was fantastic. I had pirates, I had a couple vampires, but I mean, it was it was kind of streamlined focus. Just about everything was a pirate. They all worked together, and we were able to take the plunder. It's it's interesting because like pirates are like keyword small. It seems yeah. like right there's there's a lot of 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 you know, X1s and X2s in, in the pirates. And, you know, they do get outclassed by dinosaurs quite easily. So I think I think if you're not dinos, you need to have the removal that deals with dinos and specifically that like the 6-6 six, six trample at common for six. That's just a dumb card. It's like, terrifying. Two, two-headed giant experience is two-headed giant experience. But we ran four of them in our green deck, in our green-red deck, with a little bit of ramp. And they were stupid. It's like you play it, and if your opponent doesn't have an answer, you know, they're two for wanting themselves, or you're nugging them for six. Like, there's just no in-between. Um, if you have two of those or three of those in your draft deck, um, or, or seal deck or whatever, like, why wouldn't you play green? They're just so good. There's almost no downside, except the fact that they're double green. And even then, like, we played a 5-6 with cycling in the last format, and we loved it. Yeah. Right. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. And like the the vampires seem small. The merfolk seem small. Everything is just keyword small when you when you compare it to a dinosaur. And then, of course, dinosaurs want to get into combat. So they have enrage. And then that's just like upside. It's like, what are you going to do? Take six or, or take five off of this guy or like block it, kill it and take three anyway. It's it's you know, there's there's a few really good enraged abilities that you don't need the enablers to turn on. I mean, it helps make your dinosaur deck just a little bit better. But um, you're right. Like the synergy in, in this, in this format in green is just being green and playing other green cards. Yeah. It turns out it is easy green green. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on that one. Like I said, I had to be really careful when I went into my first draft, not to overvalue those dinosaur cards, but I'd, I knew I was going to think they're better than they are because of how good I'd seen them being sealed. I actually really like it when there's formats where sealed is very different than draft because it means you get some value out of practicing both and trying to be good at both. Mm-hmm. How did your first draft go? What did you draft? Uh, really good. So I drafted uh, Blue Red Pirates. Um, it uh, it was halfway between... Well, actually, it was half tempo. So I think I had four bounce spells. And uh, and an entrancing melody was pick one, pack one. So four bounce spells and a, and a mind control. And then I had just had like a bunch of like uh, flyers and like the 2-1 the looters and... Um, what else did I have? Uh, the 3-2 unblockable merfolk. Just, and an air elemental. Just cards like that. Just like, you know, cheap cards to enable raid. And then uh, cards to take advantage of the tempo. So like twos and, and three drops. Um, and then an air elemental to finish them off. And it actually turned out really good. So one of the cards that I was really impressed with. And I, I took it. I want to say like pick three or pick four. Um, so it went like entrancing melody, air elemental. Um, and then maybe like fire cannon blast. And then a siren storm tamer. So this is the one one siren pirate wizard with flying so you're like one one flying for one like who cares like why would i ever play that i'd play it for a couple of reasons one is it, it it's an early raid enabler so like playing this and looting on turn two was actually a really strong play for me a lot of the time but the, the where this really sh- shined was 
the second ability where you can pay a blue and sacrifice it and uh, counter a spell that targets one of your creatures. There's a lot of spells that target your creatures, right? Not even like straight up removal, bounce spells, um, you know, the enchantment, basically all the removal with the exception of one that I can think of um, for sure that is, it's a rare that exiles all your creatures, obviously, right? Settle the wreckage. Doesn't doesn't protect against, yeah, Wrath to Exile. Doesn't protect against that, but it protects your air elemental against all of these really strong premium removal spells and um and so it was good early i played on one and i knew i had things that i could um loot with or trigger raid um i also had the Stormfleet aerialist the one two that has flying and raid put a plus one plus one counter on it playing this into into a two three flying on turn two was kind of bananas right it was just it's just ridiculous um if it was just a one one i would never play it but the fact that it could counter these things meant that you know, when I'm setting up for lethal, my opponent's at four and I have an air elemental on board. Um, you know, next turn I play a storm tamer against like, let's say a white deck and they leave up five mana and I can play the storm tamer and know that my air elemental is not going to get destroyed by the five mana destroy target attacking creature spell, right? Or it's not going to get bounced. You're going to get bounced. So your opponent either has to have the instant speed removal or bounce when you play the storm tamer or when your shields are down. Um, or they're never going to kill it with sorcery speed stuff, basically. So you can kind of line this up late game and really take advantage of, um, well, of your, of your opponent not being able to play around an onboard trick, basically. It does all of that, plus poke for one, plus today I have already traded it off for a 3-1 dinosaur twice. Like, I think a 1-1 flyer is almost a card, right? Like, that's almost something I'm close to playing, Tack it into a format where there's goblin pikers and three ones, and I'm even closer to playing it. And then add on that kind of onboard negate. I, I'm not saying that we should be first picking this, but once I'm in blue and I see one, I actively want one. And I think that was a highlight of your draft deck was that you had two of these. Yeah, they work really well. Just just being able to to hold it in my hand or play it on turn one, it was just really good. So that one was good. Um, another key card that I had in the deck, believe it or not, was the Pirates Cutlass. Yeah, I can believe that. Now, I don't think you play this card without enough pirates, that, like flying pirates or menace pirates that you can put this on. But going like turn one Storm Tamer, turn two Stormfleet Aerialist, turn three, equip either of them with this. If you're equipping it for free when you play it, it's almost like putting like a 2-1 a enchantment on something. Right? For, for three mana. So it's like, you know, three mana give this guy plus two plus one as an enchantment with the with the exception that of course you get to re-equip it later um but if you don't have another turn three play which i quite often didn't because my turn three plays were like fire cannon blast let's say which is double red and i it was tough to cast that on turn three it was just a great little tempo play to nug my opponent for you know six or five or whatever it was on turn three um really good card but i would never play it if i didn't have if i just had a bunch of ground pirates like putting on a two one looter um was not very good just makes it a four two and it just gets chumped or whatever um so you still kind of traded but i'd much rather have played a three drop in that spot if if that was the case so yeah i'd say much like with other equipment or plus one plus one counters if you can give it some form of evasion it's great and it kind of comes with haste if you're playing it in a pirate deck it actually reminds me of equipment that i've seen doing much better than i expected it would and it's the little uh gosh i can't even remember the name of the card tattered wings Oh, the one cobbled that gives it wings. Flying. Cobbled wings. Yep. Cobbled wings. I have seen opponents play that against me in sealed. Now, I haven't lost to it yet, but I've been absolutely terrified of it. And I've been ab- I've been actively looking for it when I had a green sealed deck. Like, I, I think that 
it, it was in my draft deck that three owed. I cited it out twice, but I think that may kind of be half a card here. You don't have to pick it early. Like I got it like with three cards left in the, the third pack, but I kind of think that may be a card too. It's a common, right? Yeah, it's common. Yeah, so like anybody that wants one should be able to get one in a lot of drafts late, right? Like and yeah. you're not going to want more than one. Correct. So you should be able to see it late. Um, another card I was, well, multiple cards that I was really impressed with. So blue has no removal in the common and uncommon spot, right? Which is like, that sucks. Um, it's also unusual. Usually we have some sort of claustrophobia effect. Yeah, right. I mean, the mind control is great, but it's a rare. Um, you're, you got to use your bounce spells in blue. So like Depth of Desire and Run Aground, fantastic cards in this format. Um, multiple times Depths of Desire. So people say like it's like a two mana, it's like a two mana bounce spell, right? It's like, a, I don't know, whatever, whatever the, the two mana bounce spells are from the past. It's not really because you got to pay three for it. So it's more like three with a mail and rebate of one. But what I took advantage of there was being able to use that treasure to ramp if I'm missing or to, to like make my fifth land drop if I'm not hitting my land. So there was a couple of times where um, because I had so many of these cards and I was trying to just out tempo my opponents, I'd uh, I'd fire off a depth of desire on turn three um, and hit for three when maybe that wasn't ideal because I knew that I had a fourth land in hand and the treasure would let me cast my air elemental on turn four. Um, so like you could use it as a bit of ramp if or fixing if you needed it. Um, but it just made it just a great tempo card anyway. Like a three mana bounce spell is fine late game anyway. Like who cares? Right. But run aground grip tide was amazing. Yeah. Like blanking your opponent's draw step is just, is just dumb. I've only played one and I had two in the pool and I often cited in the second one. It was that good. Um, so, you know, blue red has little tiny creatures, but if you keep your opponent's board clear with, uh, with bounce spells, it's, it's, it's very, very good. I, speaking of treasure, I have already splashed in this format without running basics of the splash color just because I had four treasure producers like that's happened in sealed, not in draft yet, but I don't think it's bold. I guess it depends on how much you're splashing. I, one card with four one treasure producers. Fine. Yeah, like, sure. I'm that, very conservative fine. with splashes, but like yeah. that basically means I was able to splash the five mana four damage spell in a blue black pirates list that had no no reason running it. Actually, it was a blue-green list, and it won me a game. I dealt four to the face, and my opponent never saw it coming because I didn't have any mountains. Just Sailor of um, Memes. I, I ran into a problem yesterday with this deck where um, I had no red sources, and I had a fire cannon blast in hand, and I had uh, two treasure producers, and it was, it was two Depths of Desires. And it was, do I use my Depths of Desires and cast my Air Elemental on turn four, or turn five, let's say, because I only had four land, um, or do I save both treasures for red in case I need to use this removal spell? So there was an interesting kind of de decision point there. So you kind of have to be aware of of um, cutting yourself off. But if you're only splashing for the one color, um, you know, make sure that you're saving your treasure, I guess, for that color because you don't want to cut yourself out of that. Like if you use all your treasure, obviously, then you can never cast that card and it's dead. Um, so it's kind of weighing that, you know, do I use it to ramp something out or do I, do I save it for like a key piece of removal that I'm splashing for or something like that? But yeah, treasure's really cool so far. I dig it. I dig it. I do need to opt on and and speak about two cards that I may have been a little overly critical about. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned opt as one of the cards to be aware of as we were looking through the format, right? It was one of the commons that you wanted to discuss. Yes. And I overcorrected. I think the truth is actually in the middle. Opt yes. is not a card we're going to remember five years from now when we're talking about this set. 
but it's also not completely unplayable garbage. I've already shoved one in the deck, and it was remarkably okay. It did once let me keep a one-lander, right, on the draw, and I like I love cards that can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think opt is something that's reasonable. That's gonna. I have some thoughts too about mana screw in this format, but I also want to mention Pirate Lake because I think I was a little too harsh on Pirate Lake too. I have already played that in sealed and it has been good and it feels really good when you cast it for two mana. Um, Far more often in sealed, I was happier with cancel. Just put cancel in your sealed decks. If you're playing blue, just go ahead and do it. You're going to have a dinosaur. You're going to have the three mana up to counter it. It's going to be all right. Normally I would have cancels in the sideboard and bring them in in sealed. Um, If I've got a cancel and I'm playing blue, I'm just going to play it now. I think it's just, it's just fine. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's funny. I had an opt last night that I drafted late because you can get them late. They're common. Um, I'm never picking like key role players over opt. And, uh, and, um, I didn't play opt. I played a, I was going to play a 16 land deck with one opt and I didn't because I have three double red cards and I didn't want red to be like six lands or five lands. Like I wanted seven red sources at least. Um, and I didn't want to play opt as like a 17th land essentially when I was only playing like eight or nine blue sources. Um, so the combination of those two things meant that I left opt away. Like I, I put it off to the side. Um, you opted but there out. Was a, I opted out, but there was a couple of times when I looked at my hand and I'm like, Oh man, I wish that this specific land was opt. Right. Um, I, we won't remember it because it's not powerful. Um, but it, it, I think what it, what it will be good at is making your deck consistent or more consistent. So it'll let you keep potentially one landers or two landers. Um, and late game, if, if you're flooding out, it may give you the opportunity to get a, a little bit around that flood, right? Either by binning a land to the bottom, um, or, you know, just drawing an extra card, like getting to that next card, uh, deeper that you can probably cast on that turn because opt is so cheap. So I think you're right. I think it's somewhere in the middle, you know, you you might grade it as like a C or a C plus or something like that, but C-. I'm going to take all this. I'm going to take all the C's over it, right? Like I'm going to take two twos for two with lifelink over it. I'm going to take, you know, uh, uh, one, one storm tamer over it. I'm going to take cards like that over it. But like every once in a while, it's going to be like, Hey, this opt would go really good here because it's going to make this deck more consistent. Um, and I think I, I bet you, th- I bet you the pros, like the pros that enjoy playing decks like that, you know, for example, LSV, um, they're going to love the card. And, uh, and and I think that, that given the chance, I think we will too. Yeah, I'd still rather just be casting things that can attack and block, but I, I tend to default to that in limited anyway. And I think there's you know different styles. I'm flexible enough, though, to recognize that the card does have some value in some lists. I also needed a 23rd playable in that list, so I, I opted you in. You're not going to play the 18th land. Um, I've got a card I was wrong about, yeah. and I forget the name. Yeah, it was that Legendary Vampire, the 2-2. That oh makes yeah, one ones. You're right. I just want the paladin every single time over that card. Yeah, he's really bad. I wouldn't say really bad. He's just average. You know, like you can you can engineer a scenario where you're always getting a token off of him, but it's like I can also just play a knight over top of him, hopefully, and and get the one one all the time. Like I don't have to engineer a scenario there. Yeah, he, he's he's just a little too much work. I think if he'd been a two two, he would have been um at least playable. He's, he is a two two. Uh, for two, for two. Sorry, oh, for I was two. thinking yeah, Grizzly yeah, Bear. Yeah. No, no. If he was a two-two for two, he'd be better. Um, that's Mar- Maven Fen, something like that. Whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, Marvin. He would have Marvin. He would have been a lot better if, um, if I had more evasion in the in the vampire deck. 
so for example the one threes that that fly um the the those four guys four are just flies. playable yeah and and, it, and it, i think if you have a lot of those this guy becomes better because then you can re- repeatedly make these things um but but if you're not getting more than one consistently off of it like try to pick like i'd pick a knight instead over him yeah one card that really impressed me in white was the um the dinosaur the two three that, t- that taps things when it attacks oh my god that guy is so absurd i've it's had like, opponents land two of those against me in sealed how do you like ne- never blocking with your two best things ever yes yeah, like i thought we were done with ammon cat no no not. you can't block like we've seen that effect before on two twos for three like creatures that just didn't have particularly good attacks or like very expensive creatures but just stapling it on a, a two three in a relevant tribe, in an aggressive color, it's like, oh my god, that that thing yeah. is really, really good. Yeah, it'll be it'll be a role player in like a, a, a red white dinosaur aggro deck, I think. Yeah, the two three vigilance dude for four that butt fights That's is stupid too. Every bit as good as I thought it would be. It really is predominantly a format of hill giants, and he just don't care. He tacks into everything, blocks everything. And is pretty darn good with combat tricks or instant speed removal. It's almost like he's a, a five power creature with three of it being first strike. Cause like you can do so many things with that. I've been really happy with that card. I think the best play that I saw with that was the, um, uh, instant speed fight spell. And then also, and then also the butt fight. <laughs> um and I, I don't remember what scenario it came up in but like it was like we had really good attacks and it was like well if he blocks here in butt fights like you know um whatever i can like pump my thing in response or something like that and it's kind of no big deal um and then they ended up like killing another killing one of our things and then butt fighting anyway and then i had to like pump like just to trade or something i don't remember how it, it was pumped to trade or something like that like i had to give it like plus two plus two and not even didn't even have first strike and it was just like this is just get this off the board. This is a dumb thing. This is a stupid thing. But yeah. the fight spells are great. Yeah, the fight spells are great. They kind of go in the dinosaur decks and not the merfolk decks, as I discovered today. Like when you're kind of running a bunch of two twos and three threes and your opponent's playing dinosaurs, your fight spells don't look so good. No. Um, what do you think of that hexproof merfolk, by the way? Speaking of merfolk, the, the two two that puts a plus one plus one. I've been relatively happy with it in Sealed. I haven't yet comboed it with the Give It Flying spell. I have comboed it with some other merfolk that either had flying. Um, the unblockable guy is actually fine, the 3-2. I, I kind of liked it, as long as you have cheap stuff to like get back. Yeah, I think he's just fine. I was a little mm-hmm. scared initially about playing it, was kind of down on it, but I, I kind of think I want one. It's a great clock in Sealed. So I, I've already put a counter on that with the Hexproof guy, just to oh. speed up my clock. Um, mm-hmm. I had the little three drop that puts a counter on two merfolks and I was like, that's pretty good. I've built my own four, four hex proof, which was again, pretty good when you have some combat tricks and you're attacking into hill giants. Um, so I've, I've been pretty happy with him. I'm not going nuts. I'm not picking it early, but if I see one middle of the pack and I'm already green, let's go. Let's go. Um, speaking of combat tricks, I wonder if combat tricks are going to be better, um, because of the dinosaurs. So like, do you think like there's the, there's the three, one, like, you know, obviously like you're playing red, blue or something like that. You need a way to deal with dinosaurs, right? Are combat tricks, maybe your way to do that. Like the, what's the, the sure strike or whatever it is. Like there's a three, one first strike, right? That's it. I'm sure. Like, did those things just go up in value in, in limited, like for us in general now? 
So when I started playing limited ages ago, um, I, I, let's start with when I, I started figuring out what I was doing, which was around new Phyrexia. combat tricks were generally frowned upon and not something you played in sealed. They were kind of just for draft. And even then it was like, well, I guess I'll play one because I have to. And I think we've slowly edged since then to combat tricks, just being something we play now. I, I think wizards has wanted to push magic into more creature combat, at least limited and constructed too, to an extent, into creatures fighting and more about that than the spells. And I think we just need to kind of suck it up and accept that we're not going to get lightning bolts and doom blades anymore. We're going to get sure strike and we're going to get skullduggery, which is amazing, by the way. And we're going to we're going to play those and be happy about it because they work. They get the job done. I've, again, already used defensive combat tricks in this format, which is not really what I want to be doing. But sometimes you've got to take down a dinosaur. Yeah. That's that I, I think, and like the the green one, the plus three plus three, I think is also really good. Um, I, I just think you just need to outclass a dinosaur every once in a while. So I haven't um, played that one yet. Yeah, it's a, it's a little expensive, but like, like what else are you gonna do in green except be big? I guess, but like, I guess that's more for the merfolk deck than anything. Um, what else do I have? Tempest Caller. Did you have you played that? Did you draft that? That's the two three that taps your opponent's team. Yeah, I won some games with that today. Uh, yeah. I was it was in a blue green sealed pool, and I uh, was pretty happy with it. I had the yeah. guy that would the three two that lets me pick it back up. I had the sirens ruse, which will blink it and tap their team at instant speed, so that not only did they not get to block, they don't get to attack either. Did get to do that, and I had some other things to put counters on it to make the body relevant. Um, so I would say all in all, I was pretty happy with the card. It was not great when I was behind. But, I mean, it says that on the card, right? Like, we're paying an extra mana for this is really good late game or is a decent top deck. And just having it in my hand, I was able to craft board states to where I kind of trick my opponent into racing me. And then they resolve the one big thing that's supposed to stop all the beats, and I just cast this and kill them. So I've been fairly happy with that card. Yeah, it doesn't block much for four mana. So that's an issue. It's... It's it's modal like choose one feel sad or win the game. <laughs> yes, I, I really do think that right. Like, and I played it in in my draft deck, and I I probably shouldn't have like looking at it now and thinking back. Um, when I'm trying to race down in the flyer, like beating the beat them down to flyers and keep things off of their side of the board, I would have just rather this just been a, probably another bounce spell instead of of being a two three because I, I generally speaking my opponent didn't have any creatures to block with anyway um or i was beating them down in the air and you know their creatures were just turned sideways all the time because i didn't have anything to block myself so yeah Yeah. i I think it goes better in blue green which is i mean that's the merfolk tribe so it kind of makes sense that it would but there's stuff you can do there and i've also played it on four and unhappily blocked the three one dinosaur with it and been like i just i just need this to trade this sucks but i need that dead and this this will do that for me so don't be too proud if you need to just run it out and not win the game and do something, then then do that. that. That's why I think it's a little bit better than a falter, right? Like if you're sitting there with falter in hand, you're just going to die with it in your hand. This guy can at least come down and team up for a gang block. Yeah, the three toughness is relevant too. Yeah. Last last one I got from that draft um, and, and from the the pre release as well is fiery cannonade, and I want your take on this one in particular. It's is it main deck or is it sideboard material? This is the one that's two in a red that deals two damage to each non pirate creature. So we saw at the two at a giant, we saw some people doing some funny things where they would play it in their dinosaur deck and, and like trigger a bunch of enrage, um, you know, obviously wipe it wipes the floor 
with mana dorks, vampires, and um, some merfolk creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't do much against dinosaurs and doesn't do much against, obviously, the other pirate decks that are out there. So I main decked it. I cited it out a bunch. And looking back, and I'm wondering if the numbers would have worked out where it would have been better to side it in and play something in its place most of the time. What's I don't your, know, man. What do you it, think? It feels like it's easy enough to engineer a situation where you can get some value in it. Because even even in draft, where I was very focused on wanting to have red-black pirates, I still had some vampires in that deck, and I still had some dinosaurs in that deck. Like, I don't think you can get so focused in a deck that you're completely immune to that effect. Like, even the dinosaur decks have a few two twos and two ones and things like that, and this will clear them, right? It seems like it'll be fairly decent against Merfolk. Not all the time, not every time, but you, you can get something. And even against a dinosaur deck, I mean, if they just have the stupid 4-4 Triceratops and you attack both of your 2-2 pirates into it, you're relatively happy to have spent those two cards to get rid of it and maybe wipe out their their flyer that was attacking you as well. Who, who knows? I, I think I could engineer a scenario, but I would be quick to take it out if my opponent's deck seems to be majority pirates or majority, you know, two threes or better. I, I've, I've typically main decked cards like Pyroclasm in the past, and this is a sort of situational Pyroclasm, right? Like we've seen Pyroclasm, we've seen Whip Flare, we've seen Slagstorm... I think that was the one, like one red, red, three to everything or three to your opponent. Either way, I tend to main deck those sweltering suns being another one and then side them out if they're bad. Mm -hmm. I think I would rather play it and main deck it in a deck with enraged dinosaurs that I could get value off of. So I'm thinking like the one that searches for a land that you're never going to trigger unless you hit it yourself. (laughs) Um, The the. This, the five four that deals three damage to your opponent the the rare one that draws cards the white one even maybe where you put a plus one plus one counter on everything and the reason being is is because then i'm not just not killing my creatures because dinosaurs don't die to this usually i'm getting value out of it even if the card is dead and because my opponent is playing 100 percent pirates right yeah um i i think putting it in a, a mostly pirate deck like i had is fine because it doesn't kill your things it's just dead. It felt really dead to me frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that maybe small sample size, right? So I think it's curious. Uh, I'm, I'm going to see where that goes in the format. I'm not going to not pick it. Like, I, I think it's a good card. I just don't know if it's good more than 50% of the time or less than 50% of the time, right? We, you know, that's actually a nice segue into something that I wanted to talk about anyway. And that I would define that as a situational card. One that is good in some situations and not good in other situations. And I found myself having a a problem in Sealed and that I felt like I've been mana screwed more than I have been in the past. And it it honestly took me about four games before I realized why. I suspect you can put your finger on why. I can guess. What would you guess? Uh, There's no cycling. I really miss it. I, I didn't think it would be that big of an impact. But like keeping two landers, no big deal. You don't draw the third. Usually you can cycle away something to find it, but you can't anymore. And these situational effects like Pirate Clasm, we're used to those cards having something similar to cycling on it so that we can just toss it away if it's not going to be good. So I think we kind of need to recalibrate ourselves. I'm not suggesting that you mulligan two landers. I, I don't think you should mulligan two landers as long as you've got a good play on three or whatever, even most of the time if you don't. But do be aware that things have changed a little bit. 
I didn't want to cycle my hungry, hungry hippopotamus, but sometimes I had to, to make sure I hit my third land and didn't get run over. And you just don't have that option now. So when you're taking that six, six for six trample, be aware that there is a little bit of a downside over its hippopotamus brother and that you, you can never cycle it away and never do that. And I think it has affected the gameplay. I've heard some people say that cycling should be evergreen. Um, that every magic card should have cycling. I think that's carrying it a little bit too far. There's also other people who say magic would be more fun if you never missed your land drops. I'm like, no, it would need to have some randomness built into it. Similar to how Hearthstone has built it into the cards instead of the, the mana system. Cause like RNG is certainly a factor in magic, but like all, all of these things got me thinking, I, I kind of liked cycling and I miss it a little bit. We were a little spoiled in how consistent our of devastation was. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that aspect. I don't miss the bombs. Like the bombiest of bombs in this format don't seem anything close to the the gods from Hour of Devastation. Happy to see those go. But cycling, I kind of miss. I kind of miss. Yeah, the um, that's where a card like Opt comes into play, right? Or uh, or making sure that you have good utility two drops. Mm-hmm. So like uh, the two two life linker in white, the the two drop uh, the ramp guy. Um, what else is there? There's the um, the one in blue that lets you loot. I think that guy's kind of key in blue um, to, to keep your deck consistent. I don't know how good it is as a creature. Like, it seems really bad for the most part. Really um, terrible but like, sealed. But, like, but like the, being able to loot away your extra lands, you know, seems seems pretty okay in draft if you can build your deck around it. Um, curve seems to be very important. Yeah, curve right? matters again. And it, it, it matters a little bit in sealed, too, which I'm not used to. I came from a format where it's like, well, yeah, you'll play two two drops if they're really good. Otherwise, screw the two drop slot, just play threes. And a big part of what was allowing us to do that was every all of your top end had cycling. So who cares? Play 18 lands and all the cycle cards. You'll find the lands. It'll be fine. But it's not fine anymore. Yeah, those cyclers were your two drops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, shoot, I had, a, I had a thought here and I just completely lost it. Oh, um, Rummaging Goblin. I do not think that that is the consistency card that you're looking for in a card. I don't think that's a card you want to... Um, to do that so we talk about i talk about the looter which i think is good i don't think i would play the the rummaging goblin i think it just gets like completely outclassed i was completely destroyed by a rummaging goblin and sealed again really? these are very different formats but rummaging goblin absolutely won them that game they looted away four lands and then just destroyed me with big giant creatures so i i can certainly believe in an aggressive like I'm looking at the picture of your draft deck right now in an aggressive blue red um, pirates deck. No, I don't want him. And honestly, I, I had a rummaging goblin in the sideboard of my black red pirate deck. Never wanted it. Like, that's just not what I was after, but in sealed, uh, that's quite the powerhouse. If you can, if you can hang it there. Cause like after land six or seven, the rest of your lands don't do anything. And like investing one card in this, you do have to activate it once. Cause the one, one body is absolutely irrelevant. Once you've activated it once, you're just even on cards. But if you can activate it again and loot away that second land, that's when you start generating advantage. And my opponent looted away um, four lands and one irrelevant card, which basically means they drew five cards off of it, and I didn't have any way to interact with it. So don't think of it as a 1-1 with a useful ability. Think of it as an exceptionally vulnerable enchantment with a useful ability, and and you'll kind of have it. I I think that's part of the problem is that like if you go nothing nothing this on turn three 
you don't want that that is not what you're looking to do with that card no then. not at all like you're gonna get run over so this is more of a mid to late game card than anything so mm-hmm. you know if you're playing this on turn three you probably feel really sad if you have nothing to back it up like on turn two with to block yeah because you don't want to take six right mm-hmm. you know take take two on turn two or whatever or take turn two on turn three and six on turn four is not something that you want to be doing you know another uh, so i'll argue that that has its place in sealed or it may be in a, a deck that hasn't quite been found yet i did have a sealed deck that i i thought was pretty bad and i managed to pull out some wins with mainly on virtue of the three mana four three boat i was kind of the boats yeah i was kind of surprised that you know taking the pain train nerfing it completely and moving it to uncommon it's still actually pretty good i think it's the four power it trades up quite well right it trades up um it it is again kind of a format of hill giants so it can at least attack into those but it it, like it i was played against a vampire deck and i just couldn't do anything they couldn't attack into it they couldn't block it like once they tried i had a trick it was great I was a big fan of the four six vigilance one. Like these, there's there's a couple of ships. I think there's like four in total, maybe. Got one other one or two of them are rare. I want to say, but like these two uncommon ones, like I think the four six vigilance is great. It's crew two, which means all my little looters could could crew it, and like the body is big enough that it it kills most things, but its butt is big enough that they have to double block it in order to uh, to kind of deal with it, and it kind of puts them at risk of of you know losing half of their board potentially if i have a combat trick or something like that right so um it's obviously with vehicles like and equipment like your mileage will vary if you have no creatures then it sucks um but but i would look look to these the ships um uh you know as as a as a good option to not put yourself in a certain direction when you start your draft for example you did this on stream today where i said hey you should pick the the three mana red removal spell because it's the best red common and you're like i'm gonna take this colorless card and i'm like you're crazy and really you probably weren't that crazy because i think it's a good card yeah i I think that's worth mentioning like i i had my first pick and i picked i think it was uh vance's blasting cannons yeah whatever that enchantment the red enchantment It was a relatively weak pack. There wasn't any removal. There wasn't any realistic creature. There was just Vance's blasting cannons. It was like, you know what? I'll take most of an outpost siege. That's fine. And then I get the next pack, and it's the the three mana red removal spell uh, versus the the four six boat. And everybody's like, including you, are like, take the three mana removal spell. Take the three mana removal spell. It's so good, and and, and it is. I, I think you need to do some work to enable it, like having flyers, because three mana for three damage. I mean, it's fine. It's you, you really want it to be able to do six and kill a dinosaur. But my thought was, if I'm not red, I'd much rather ha- be able to put this four, six boat in my deck rather than have this other card in my sideboard. Right. And like, there's no signals pack one, pick, pick two. So I, I took it and felt very smart as I continued taking red cards and then moved into red late anyway. But to, to be fair, I still ended up with two of the, the red removal spells because red was open and I did win a game solely because of the boat. Like the, the vampires just had nothing to interact with that boat. It was fantastic. So like I, I tend to value colorless heart cards very highly in draft just because I'm 100% to play it. So like even if there's this really good red card, I'm like what, 40% to play it? And if there's a really good colorless card, even if it's a notch or two down, but I 100% get to play it. I'd rather take the colorless card every time. Yeah, I think it depends on how much better the fiery cannonade is compared to the ship. Um, when I was looking at it and, and like kind of half paying attention, I was on the side of like, it's probably like three notches or four notches better than the than the ship. But, you know, a four six vigilance is with it's easy to crew is really good. 
it, like if you have enough creatures if, if you're in a board stall it it, the, it can both attack and block at very little cost to you so mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i mean pick one pack one i'd probably still take the 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 red card um because i like removal pick one pack one um but you know i, I, take I see where boat. you're going with that and i don't blame you i I'd, don't blame you i take the boat every time but i i see the point like maybe you can edge me out with the black one that kills everything for five contract killing i think it is but I still just have such a, a high priority on colorless cards it, when they're good, right? Like, I'm not suggesting that we take the crap ship, the 2-2 two, two for 2 that grows when you explore. Like, I don't want that. I'm not pick, And I'm not going to first pick a pirate's cutlass. Like, I'm not going nuts here. But if I've got a good, solid colorless pick that's that's anywhere in the conversation with the, the removal spells or creatures that are there, I'll just take the colorless one and see what's open. Even after talking to Ray about signaling, I'd still rather figure out what my neighbors are passing me. Like, I think I learned some valuable things from that half episode we did, and I think I'm sending better signals because of it, but I'm still more interested in figuring out what's open. Mm-hmm. So, are you going to draft more than sealed? Sounds like it. I'm interested in drafting more than sealed, which is unusual for me. Um, I'm still going to play a lot of sealed because that's what the PTQ formats are. Uh, but I, I think this may be a format where I draft a little more just so I can have fun with the synergies instead of, you know, not that it's entirely what dinosaurs did I open, but it's kind of what dinosaurs did I open so far, at least my initial impression. Yeah, it 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 looks easy. Not easy, but it looks... Well, I'm going to say easy. If If you want to like find a, a synergy that's open i think you can probably do that in um in draft in this format like i don't think it's it's kind of like finding colors but it not it's not necessarily like finding colors because like well, like we talked about on the previous podcast there will be cards that go in one you know one try versus the other so there's cards that that go between colors right obviously all, all your removal spells go between colors but then there's cards like the lobber crew like the lightning rig crew or whatever it is that you can play it in your red green dino deck with one pirate, but where it's really going to be good is in your, you know, blue red or, or red black pirate deck with like eight pirates or something like that. Right. And it's going to be better in multiples, for example. Um, so, you know, you know, finding, finding your lane is going to be less about finding the color, I think, and more about finding which synergy you can get. Um, but obviously color still matters as well. But we talked about this before where I said, like, I don't think that drafting blue white, is on the same power level as drafting any of the the tribal synergies. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to see where that happens. I almost ended up in a blue-white deck yesterday, actually. And then um, and then it turned out that red was just open, so I, I kind of switched there. But, like, you know, when I'm drafting blue-white, I'm not getting that extra advantage of, you know, well, I can take advantage of all the lifelink I'm going to get because I don't really have much because I spent a bunch of picks on blue cards that don't have lifelink. Um, and, and I have all this raid over here that I might not be able to trigger because my white creatures aren't attacking soon enough or something like that. Right. So there's, it basically, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. I think it basically makes me scared of when I see a green, black or a blue, white deck, because the only incentive I can see to draft those is having absurdly powerful cards in those colors. Like I'll first pick a pacifism. I'll second pick a pacifism. What's this air elemental doing here? Like all of a sudden that deck's looking terrifying, right? Whereas the other one, like I can be in red and you're next to me passing to me in red. And as long as I'm interested in dinosaurs and you're interested in pirates, we're both getting a great deck, right? So I I think it does make it an interesting draft format. And like I said, it's enough to make me probably draft a little bit more than sealed, but I still need some more time on this, right? Like 20 games or 21 games, whatever it is I played, that's, that's not nearly enough to like judge a format. 
and it, what it, but it is interesting though because you did mention that like blue white is like flyers and it's like that's the synergy it's flyers and you're absolutely right right like that is the synergy it's just not like explicitly supported outside of maybe a couple of cards and the same goes for green black where like maybe there's like a little bit of like an explore matters theme there where you have like the chupacabra and that's pretty much the only card and Here's then maybe the one, like the rascal what's the one three it's the one three for two it, it gains you three life and gets a counter when you explore like I did face one of those in sealed and my opponent actually pulled it off and got the counter and gained the three life. And it was annoying. It, like yeah. th they didn't have enough explore to actually do it, but I bet you could get an explore deck in green black. I, I don't think it's going to come up very often, but it'll be here now and then. I think those are probably plants for the next set. Me too. I was just where thinking you're going to, where the merfolk and the, uh, and the vampires become more of a kind of a focused, tribe maybe or maybe there's like another tribe that comes out that has common properties of merfolk and dinosaurs and you have these weird hybrid merfolk dinosaurs things. something like that right where maybe these these extra cards will be useful and, and only one deck will want those cards for example so um so you can draft that deck it's just maybe a, a sl like a half notch down like a slight handicap um when you're going through because you know like if if I'm drafting a red dinosaur deck and those lobber crews come by, it's like I, I can't take them. They don't do anything in my deck. And it's like there's there's one less card in this pack for me, basically. So mm -hmm. there was one other thing I wanted to mention, which is uh just to kind of more clearly define the difference between explore and scry. Mm -hmm. Um I, I think value-wise, explore is probably just better if you've got a reasonable um a reasonable body that it's attached to. And I have in fact played the six mana three, three lifelink explore guy in black already in sealed. And it was okay. It wasn't amazing, but it was okay. But there, there is a key difference between that and scry. One of them obviously being, if it's a land, you just draw it. But the other one being, if you actually use the scry and decide to keep the card, your opponent knows what it is, right? So if I scry and go top, all you know is that I've got action. You don't know exactly what it is. I had the scenario come up today where I was racing an opponent. They didn't explore and kept the 3-2 dinosaur that gains three life when it takes damage. Because I knew they had that, I left up the mana for my instant speed, kill something with three power or less, got into a racing situation. They played it and then went to, um, what's the one mana thing that damages your dinosaur? Ryle. Ryle. They went to Ryle it. And because they did that, I was able to kill it in response. They didn't gain the six life they were planning on, and I won the game. Like, if I didn't know that that was their top card, I probably would have tapped out. I certainly would have tapped out there. I had a fire-breathing pirate. Like, 100% would have done it. It was like, I have to be able to kill that and make sure they're not able to gain any life on it. The race is too tight. So just be aware with that, right? Like, when you scry to the top, all your opponent knows is you've got action. When you explore to the top, they know exactly what you have. Um, and, and take that into account too. When you see your opponent do that and say they're going to keep it, we play on Moto. You can pop open that revealed cards window. It's exactly what I do on the stream and just kind of move that up near their portrait. So I'm like, I know about this card. They're going to have that. Although do pay attention to make sure it doesn't go to the graveyard because then they don't have it. Then they don't have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It, in the two at a giant, our opponents revealed in the instant speed fight, fight spell. And it's just like, that is perfect information, right? Like that's really thanks, good to know. Thanks. Thanks for showing me like you had no choice and you're not going to bin it, right? You're not going to bin a perfectly playable card most of the time um, just so that your opponent doesn't know what's on top of your deck. Don't ever do that. But be aware that that your opponent has that same information as you do, right? Yeah, I, I did um, 
been pirate league, it was very late game and we both had like 10 lands in play. I was like, this is just not doing anything right now. Yeah. So occasionally you'll still do it, but for the most part, yeah, you're absolutely right. Just be aware it's magic is a game of hidden information and you can use that and your opponents can use it. Yeah, but it, I think you're right. I think it is better than Scry um, in a vacuum, mm-hmm. right? Drawing the land is good. Like, okay, the Explore cards have, have, for the most part, been pretty amazing. Can I just say that? There's like, They're there's really the good. 2-1 First Striker. There's the 2-1 Merfolk for two. I think the First Striker is white and it's three mana. Yeah. There's the 2-2 the two, two Merfolk in green for three. There's, there's the 1-2 the Flyer. The O3 is even good. The O3 is even good. Like, they're all, all the cheap ones are just like, oh my god, I can't believe you played that stupid card. And then the expensive ones are kind of like, meh, it really depends. But like, you don't want to bounce them. Like, that, that that's, it's it's the blue deck's nightmare. It's like, why would I put that 2-2 that two, two Menace guy that explored on top of your deck because you're just going to draw it and make it a 3-3 three, three next turn? Like, I don't want that. Um, yeah, Explore's great. I've already played all of the Explore cards. Every Explore card in the f- format at Common and Uncommon I have played, and they've been good. I've even I've gotten to bounce them with the three two Merfolk guy and play them again when they didn't get the counter. Uh, that that felt pretty good. And like I blinked the pirate one, the one two siren pirate. Like after I'd played it and drew a land, I blinked it and then got a counter on it and drew a card. I was like, and I got to see what like I decided what card it was. It was so good. It's just so much value. So explore is really good. Play your explore cards. Yeah. So. Keep that in mind to keep your decks consistent as well. So we're looking at things like Opt. You're looking at things like uh, Explore. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, Explore is the new cycling. Like, play your two pretty and glad three that, drops with Explore. Pretty glad that most colors have... Uh, do they all have a two drop or, three, or th- a three drop that has Explore? Maybe black has the four drop. I don't know if they have anything cheaper than that. Red has a four drop too, the hasty one. I've already played that mm-hmm. and it was good. I didn't think mm-hmm. that one would be good. And it, it, it wasn't great. But it was good. Interesting. I look forward to how the the format evolves over the next couple of weeks. Pro Tour is actually still quite a ways away. I think it's November. Oh wow. Okay, we've got a lot of time. Cool. So we don't we don't get the like week three of the format. Here's the Pro Tour. Some pros have already got the format figured out, and they just force like slither blades or something like that. Um, so we can so. still enjoy it for a few more weeks. We we can enjoy it for a few more weeks. I would say. All right. You got anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that that does it for me. You have some homework for us? Yeah, so um so I had a card that I was wrong about. You had a card that you were wrong about. We had some cards we were right about, I would like to think. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, homework for for our listeners and our Twitter followers and the like. Um if you've done your own evaluation, so if you went into a format and you're like, I thought this card was gonna be good, I think this card's gonna be bad. Um do do a little bit of homework and, and maybe take a couple of those cards that either that like, well specifically that I think you were wrong about one way or the other. Um, and this is not in like a negative connotation. This is not like to punish yourself or something like that. But I think it's to be kind of honest with yourself and intellectually honest, I would say, and say to yourself, hey, you know what? I thought this card was bad. So like that Maven, the Marvin, Maven Fen guy, I thought he'd be good. I was a little hyped up for him. We played two in our two at a giant pool. It was bad. Like it was it was worse, way worse than I thought it was. And I think that being able to recognize that as a magic player makes me better going forward. So first of all, I don't feel like I'm obligated to play it because I thought it was good. And second of all, I'm getting better at card evaluations going forward because I can, I can recognize these patterns in future cards. So I think being able to recognize, you know, the things you got right and also the things you got wrong, uh, the mistakes that you made when evaluating your cards, I think that'll help you grow as a magic player. So 
take a card, take it to take two cards. You can each share them with us, keep them to yourself, whatever you want to do. Um, but like, you know, people like Travis and I, you know, we interact with, with people in, in Twitch chat and things like that. And it's going to be like, well, you know, I got this card wrong. Like I have to own up to that at some point. Um, when I'm, when I'm looking at a card and somebody's like, Hey, you should take that card. I'm like, yeah, it, it's not great. And I was wrong about it. So I'm just going to pass it here. So, um, and, uh, and you were very big of you. It was very big of you to apologize to opt as well. Um, so if, if anybody out there has, has any cards that they were wrong about, um, you know, feel free to share it with us and, uh, and we'll, we'll put that up on Twitter and, um, that's, that's your homework for this week. So we look forward to your feedback. Hit us up on, on Twitch and Twitter. Uh, I'm at uh, Twitch and Twitter at D civilian and Semulin is at Semulin on both. Once again, thanks to face to face games and manadprive.com for the host and everything that they do for us. I guess we'll see you next week. See you next week. Y'all have a good one.